Welcome to, wait, am I an adult now? Thought the awkward years were over? Think again. My name is Shelby Wildgast. And I'm Savannah Pichotto. And we are the co-hosts of one of the only podcasts that's really telling you how to navigate your 20s in today's time. You guys ready to jump in? Let's go. Hey, hey, and uh, welcome back to our fourth episode. This is Savan. And it's Shelby. And we are coming at you with another episode of Wait, Am I an Adult Now? Thought the awkward years were over? Think again. Um, it's February. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. So we wanted to talk to you guys all about love today. Ooh, my favorite topic. But before we do, like always, we want to bring you some of our adulting fails and adulting wins. So, Shelby, what's your win? Okay, so this is going to sound so silly, but just to give a little bit of context, I'm 23 years old. I graduated from college about a year and a half ago. And the other day, I scheduled my very first doctor's appointment by myself. (laughs) No way. I know it's so lame, but all throughout my life, my mom's in healthcare, so she always just scheduled my doctor's appointments for me, and it's about time that I, you know, learn how to do that myself, and so I did it. That is my adulting win. You can tell how exciting my life is. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. What about you? Um, all right, so I have a, an interesting story. Oh, um, I was in Wegmans one day getting lunch. Minding my own business. I got what I needed to get. I went upstairs, um, sat at a table, and about midway through my lunch, I hear this weird noise from behind me. And I didn't, I kind of ignored it at first because I didn't really know what it was, but then it got louder. So then I turned around, and this guy that was sitting behind me was like choking. Like he could not breathe. Oh, yeah. He ended up like standing up and Everybody around him was standing up and just like staring at him. As this and, man is choking. Yeah. Staring. So I was directly next to him, the probably the closest person um, to him. So I just decided since everybody else wants to stare at this guy, I'll try to help him. Gave him the Heimlich and yeah. he ended up like uh, kind of it, well, it ended up working and then he started breathing again. And so my win is that I saved a guy's life, I guess. Wow, that <laughs> blows my wind out of the water. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. You did not tell me that. This Pretty is crazy. My, re- my reaction right now is real time. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really proud of you. That's amazing. Thanks. Um, okay, cool. Well, yeah. Savan is a lifesaver. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I feel super safe with you now, um, knowing that you can do that. So my adulting fail actually happened to me last night. I love to cook. It's one of my kind of my like calming activities that I do. It's almost meditative for me. And last night I had some leftover food that I hadn't cooked. Um, Obviously I hadn't cooked it yet and it was going to go bad. So I'm like, okay, I need to make some food with these tomatoes. And I had some ground turkey that had been in my fridge for about two days. So I needed to cook it. Otherwise it was going to go bad. And I thought, okay, why don't I make like some kind of pasta dish and I can use these tomatoes, which are slightly mushy. I can make them into a like turkey bolognese. You might've seen this on my Instagram story. I was Instagramming the entire time. So 
Okay. Well, it's there now. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I thought, okay, great. So I'll make a turkey bolognese and I'm going to make it healthy. So I'll get some brown rice pasta. And I had a box of brown rice pasta in my cupboard that my parents had given to me um, about five months ago because they were leaving to travel um, down to the Dominican Republic for a couple of months. And so they were getting rid of things in their pantry. They gave me this box of pasta. Hadn't touched it since then. So I'm doing all the things to prepare for this pasta. I make, I'm boiling the water, um, added the oil and the salt to it. Um, I was making my bolognese. I was just doing everything, really excited about it. Um, and the water comes to a boil after about 35 minutes. And I go and pour the brown rice pasta into the pot and there are these little bugs in the pasta because the pasta expired in 2016. My parents failed to tell me that. And I had to learn that the hard way. And so needless to say, I ended up having the turkey bolognese just with no pasta. Oh my God, that is disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, horrible. But uh, now I know to check the expiration date on pasta and also look into the box before I pour it into the water. Probably a good idea. Yeah. I didn't actually know that like pasta had an expiration date. I thought it just kind of lasted a long time. Yeah. And apparently bugs are fiends for pasta. Wow. That's pretty gross. Yeah. So make sure that you look at all your pasta in your cupboard. I'll have to do that. <laughs> what about you? What's your fail? Um, so I've been having this goal for a while that I just want to get up earlier in the morning to start my day. And um, so I bought this alarm clock on Amazon. It's called the Sunrise Alarm Clock. So basically, it wakes you up with light so that you feel like it's the morning. Even if you have your shades down, even if it's like a cave in your room, the light will come on naturally. So within like 30 minutes from you waking up, it'll start to like slowly bring the light on. So I thought like, oh, this is perfect. It'll help me wake up. I can get started with my day. So I bought the alarm clock. I set it up and it's sitting next to my bed, but I haven't actually used it yet. What? Oh, my God. I would be so excited to use that. You got to use it tonight. I mean, I try. so I tried to use it a couple times, and I felt like it wasn't really working. Okay. But I, I don't know if it's just because I haven't used it enough. So does it not have any sound? It just has the light? It does have some sound. Like, okay. you can pick different sounds. It'll have, like, waves or, like, other things. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out the best combination, but I just feel like I'm failing and it's just me. I don't feel like it's the alarm clock. I feel like it's me just not wanting <laughs> well, to get up still. Well, taking ownership of that. Uh, maybe it's too calming for you. Maybe you need like – I know there's an alarm clock out there that it goes off and it just starts to fly around your room. <laughs> so maybe you need something that's so hectic that just forces you to get out of bed because you're worried that like it might knock stuff over. I should do that. Yeah. yeah. I could try that out. Yeah. Well, let me know how that goes for sure. <laughs> But anyway, um, moving on to our kind of the meat and potatoes of tonight's podcast or today's podcast, wherever you're listening to it, whatever time, um, we're really excited to talk about love because like Savan said, Valentine's Day is tomorrow. It's one of my favorite days of the year, um, but I'm definitely biased because I am in a relationship. So it's, it is a time of pampering, which I love. Um, but uh, one of the things that we want to talk about, I wanted to give you guys Five things that we believe, because we're both in relationships, we've both been in relationships for quite some time. These are five tips and five really essential things to building a strong relationship with your significant other. 
So do you want to get started with tip number one? Sure. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that we want to talk to you guys about is I think the most important out of all of the five things that we talk about today, and that is self-love. Um, so essentially with self-love, I think a lot of people, especially the, the younger generation, you know, when you're in middle school, high school, college, it's so romanticized and you almost feel like you need to find someone that completes you. It's like two halves make a whole. But really, in reality, what the most important thing is, is that you've got two holes that come together in a union to create a really solid foundation. Essentially, your significant other should complement you, but they should not complete you. And where that all starts with is self-love. You know, you need to make yourself whole first. You need to you know, work on your own self-discovery, healing your own wounds before you can really fall deep for somebody because if you haven't healed yourself first, you're going to be looking for someone who completes you, not who compliments you. And what that's going to create is it's going to create this, um, this dependence on this person. And dependence, oh my God, we could do a whole podcast on the issues of codependency, but that is one of the worst things that you can do for a relationship is become so dependent on your partner that you can't live without them. While you don't want to live without them, dependency is like, I will literally die if you die. Right. right. So, um, and that's so true. And I feel like I didn't even understand this concept until I got out of college and started kind of doing my own self-reflection and, because when I was in college, I felt like, you know, I, you go to parties and, you know, you hope to meet somebody and it's all new and fresh for you. And I feel like when I was in college, I was always just kind of chasing after somebody to complete me. And throughout, like after college, once I started doing a little bit more digging into myself and figuring out like, why am I like this? I kind of realized that I, from when I was younger, I got into patterns of relationships where... I always felt like I wasn't enough mm-hmm. and I was attracting people who were giving that same thing back to me. Yeah. It's almost like when you're looking for someone to complete you, you're coming from a place of lack mm-hmm. as if you don't have enough and that you need someone to fulfill that for you. And instead of coming from a place of lack, the best relationships start out of a place of abundance. You know, I am so much, I am so worthy. I am so much love that I'm looking for someone else who mirrors that, who complements that, who's equally parts love, equally parts worthiness, equally parts whole. And that's really where, you know, a solid foundation for a relationship begins. Exactly. Cool. And that's a great segue into our tip number two, which is trust, because when you are in a relationship where it's two halves make a whole and you're so dependent on somebody, the trust part is often compromised because God forbid that second half, you know, your significant other starts to have eyes for somebody else or starts to, you know, do things that you're not necessarily included in, or you guys start to go out to different parties, the jealousy factor comes in really heavy. I actually have a really good example of this because in previous relationships, I was that jealous person because I hadn't fixed myself yet and I hadn't realized my own self-love. But 
the relationship I'm in now, when we first started going out, there was actually another girl who was trying to get his attention, constantly texting him, trying to call him, trying to hang out with him. And normally, I mean, most girls I think would be like, who's this girl? You need to stop talking to her. Why is she texting you so much? I just let it all go because I didn't care because I knew that I was enough. I knew that he wanted to see me because he kept talking to me and he kept trying to make dates with me. And I just ignored it all. And I just let it kind of run its course until it faded away. Yeah, absolutely. I love that story. And I mean, guys, jealousy is a reflection of you. And so when you're jealous, it's something that's going on inside of you. It's not the person that you're jealous of. And so when you lack self-love, you will innately lack trust, which will innately make you a jealous person. And by the way, jealousy in a relationship is essentially taking the freedom and the independence away from your significant other. And going back to our first point, you know, of having two holes come together, freedom is a innate need. You know, humans desire freedom and independence. And the minute that you start to take that away from somebody or someone starts to take that away from you in the act of jealousy, you know, where are you? Why aren't you answering my text? What are you doing tonight? Who are you with? All those crazy questions that come out of jealousy, you will begin to literally dismantle a innate human need in either yourself or a significant other, which will obviously put your relationship to doom. Right. And I think that, you know, females aren't the only victims of doing this. There are definitely guys out there who will play the jealousy role too. Oh my God. I think sometimes they're worse. (laughs) (laughs) It can be. Yeah. So I I think that it's important to realize, you know, if you've been a victim of that, realize that and take notice if you start to be that way and start to be a little bit aware of how you can try to fix that. Yeah. And by the way, guys, I mean, if you are in a relationship right now where your significant other is an incredibly jealous person, I'm going to be real with you it's not a relationship that's going to last unless there is some serious soul searching between you and your significant other. Jealousy is the thief of joy and it is, it is going to destroy a relationship between friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, coworkers, whatever it might be. Jealousy really is such a powerful doomsday tool. And honestly, like the thing is sometimes you don't even realize that you're in a relationship like that until you're so deep into it that you're like, what the heck is happening right now? Yeah. Like I was in a very controlling relationship about four years ago, I guess at this point. And I mean, at first it started off fine and it was just little things like, Oh, who are you going out with? What time do you think you'll be back? And then it kind of built into, I don't think you should wear that out because guys are going to look at you or, um, you can't hang out with that person because you used to like them. And then slowly your friends start fading away. You don't hang out with people as much. And eventually you feel isolated. Like you have nobody to talk to or nobody to go to. Except for that one person. Right. And again, that's because you were in that mindset, like you said, in college where it was two halves make a whole. And so being isolated with just that person still felt somewhat okay for you. That's how twisted it gets when right. you're that deep into it because that person is the one who completes you and God forbid you're ever without that person. And so it just is a horrible spiral. But the key to getting away from jealousy and to building a relationship with good trust actually is our third 
tip for, you know, creating a solid relationship, which is communication. I mean, communication is key in any relationship, but especially a loving relationship. Um, that is what is going to elevate your relationship to the next level is when you can effectively communicate with one another and not hold grudges, um, not try to convey things through nonverbal cues. You know, boys are kind of dumb when it comes to verbal or nonverbal cues and they won't necessarily pick up what you're trying to say to them, Mm -hmm. which is why communication is so valuable. Yeah. And I think the perfect example of this, honestly, today is uh, I know a lot of people tend to text more than they like to talk. Oh, yeah. And that can be almost a detriment to your relationship. Like, even, like, I know sometimes when you're in an argument with somebody, you don't necessarily even feel like you want to talk to them, so you decide to text. And I know for some girls, when a guy's trying to text you something, you just say, I'm fine, or nothing's wrong, or I'm okay, uh, I feel like that's just not the way to approach certain situations. Yeah, if there's an issue going on in your relationship, the two worst words that you can say are I'm fine because you're clearly not fine. And it is important to value your own opinion and say it out loud. And maybe you don't feel like talking about it in that moment. So just be real with that and tell the person, hey, listen, I'm really not feeling okay right now. But maybe when I get home later, we can talk about it or let me give you a call in the next few minutes and I'll talk to you about it then. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing on texting, you know, the thing about texting is that the words can be so easily misconstrued because there's no voice inflection behind them. There's no context behind them typically. So I remember there was one situation where I was dating this guy and it was in middle school. And we were in some stupid argument. I don't even remember what it was. But I wasn't even that upset with him. And he asked me some question that prompted the answer, I'm okay. And I did not include an exclamation mark on the I'm okay. And it sent him into the spiral where he thought that I was like going to break up with him because I did not include an exclamation mark. And that's how crazy it can be when your relationship relies on texting versus phone calls. Yeah. Especially if you're in the beginning stages of a relationship. I know these days it's so much easier to text people, but honestly, what's going to create the most trust in your relationship, the most independence, and the most like movement forward is if you just have a phone call in the morning when you guys are going to work together, and then a phone call at night when you're in bed. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a big deal. Like you could even if you're really not comfortable calling, just practice with little things like Call them one time to say, hey, I'm going to the store. Do you need me to pick up anything? It doesn't have to be about your relationship. You don't have to have deep conversations every time you're on the phone. But at least try to get used to it if you're not used to it already. So that when you do have those moments where you're like having text arguments, you can say to yourself, you know what? Let me take a step back and maybe I should call this person. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm I'm a huge phone person. Um, And... Also with communication, no, we, we just mentioned that when you are feeling down, and I, I'm the one who said it, but um, you know, value your opinions and say it out loud to your significant other, but there's an art to doing that. You know, when you're upset with somebody, it's very easy to start playing the blame game or to come at them and be like, you did this, you did that, you should do this, you should do that, you made me 
get so mad. Instead, when you are upset with your significant other or there's some kind of issue, when you're communicating to them, start with the phrase, I'm feeling blank. So I'm feeling upset because this is what I observed. Or I'm feeling upset because I overheard you talking to your mom saying this about me, if this is like a mother-in-law type situation. Um, But when you say I'm feeling, your significant other can't discredit your feelings. Your feelings are there no matter what. What comes after the statement I'm feeling blank, you know, that's going to be really where the discussion and maybe the argument starts. But by starting out with I'm feeling blank, it's not like you're coming at them. You are simply stating what you're feeling right now. Yeah. And I think what's important for you is when you do phrase something in that way is to also observe how your partner reacts to that. Because if they don't react in the in a positive way or a constructive way and they don't want to have a conversation with you or they're not open to figuring out why you're feeling that way, that might be a reason to look at their relationship a little bit harder and say, is this person really complimenting me? Do they really care about how I'm feeling at this moment? Yeah, and, and doing that exercise that Savan just mentioned is really um, all about being self-aware. And that's a great segue into our tip number four, which is to be self-aware. Now, self-awareness is different than self-love. And basically, when we're talking about self-aware, it's knowing what you want in a partner, knowing what you want in a relationship, and also knowing that in arguments, in communication, when you are projecting, you know, taking things that are happening in your life and putting them onto your partner, and when you're actually valid about certain issues that are in your relationship. So self-awareness is such a vital part of being in a healthy relationship because it helps eliminate, you know, some of the issues that might come up with jealousy and trust and things like that. Yeah. And I know like myself and my boyfriend, we definitely have a very good relationship in terms of communication and trust. But I think that there have definitely been some times where I've been a little bit more anxious because of something that happened in my day, or maybe I had a really bad day and I don't feel good about myself, or maybe I ate a donut and now I feel like I'm a little fat and I don't feel good about myself or confident. So then I project that onto him and maybe I start picking apart the things that I don't like about him. Whereas normally if I am feeling good about myself, I don't really care. Like I, me and him are good. Yeah. So I mean, I think about times where I'm stressed at work um, and it hasn't really happened in my new job because I'm really loving everything that I'm doing my new job. But my previous job, I was stressed all the time. And so my conversations with my boyfriend were always invoking stress. Whether and it and it was stress in ways that we didn't even need the stress. And you know, I would say things that would stress him out and he would say that to me, "Well, you're stressing me out." And I'm like, "How do you think I feel?" And I would go into this whole long thing about how my day was stressful, which had nothing to do with him, but because of what I originally said to him and because of how I was acting, now we're both stressed and that's not good for anybody. And so reasons why I don't fully know, but I'll admit that I think part of it was because I wanted him to feel that same stress with me because he was off. He has a really awesome job where he works from home and he can be at the beach and do what he does. And 
there'd be often times where I was running from meeting to meeting to meeting. I would call him and he'd be on the beach. And so to me, I was like, oh my God. I'm, and I was jealousy, actually. I was jealous of him doing that. And so I wanted him to feel the pain that I was feeling. So I was doing certain things in our relationship, saying certain things in our relationship that was invoking this same stress that I was feeling onto him. And that's not good for anyone. Yeah. And I think that also goes back to like, if you are feeling stressed or anxious, whether it be about a job or anything else in your life, either how can I fix that? Or what can I do to decrease my stress? Is that do I need to go to yoga? Or do I need to meditate? Or are there certain things maybe reading at night that can help relax me a little bit more before I talk to my partner? Yeah, absolutely. When you're having a bad day, you know, there's a a level of your relationship where your partner is meant to be there for you and they're meant to be a sounding board. But um, sometimes you'll find yourself in such a bad mood that you really need to take the time to work on yourself and take some deep breaths and work on some, maybe some meditative practices and get right with yourself first and then come to your significant other and use them as a sounding board. Um, another thing that I recognized with my boyfriend is that when I am upset, I like to vent. I'm a venter. That's how I am. And I have some friends of mine who will pick up the phone. They will listen to me for 15 minutes and just let me vent. My boyfriend is a serial um, self-help junkie. So I will come to him with a problem and he will have 76 solutions to my problem. And I don't really want to hear any solutions at the time. I just want him to listen to me. So what I've learned to do because I become aware of how he reacts in that situation and how, what I actually want in that situation is I start the conversation by saying, listen, I know you're going to have a solution to my problem. I don't want to hear it right now. I just want to vent to you. We can talk later on about a solution, but for right now, just please listen to me and just agree with what I'm saying. And then he lets me talk. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that that's, uh, so I mean, that goes into the fifth thing that I think that we want to give you guys um, our fifth tip, which is knowing your partner. Absolutely. And knowing your partner and what they need from the relationship and want is very, can be very different from what you need and want in the relationship. Yeah. And a great resource for anyone out there to utilize to really kind of figure this out is called the five love languages. It's a book by Gary Chapman. You can actually go on the website, which is five, the number five, lovelanguages.com and you can take a test that will tell you what your love languages are. And the five options are quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, and um, gift giving. So essentially everybody identifies with probably two or three of those five love languages predominantly. And those are um, the ways that you receive love or the ways that you would want to receive love. Yes, exactly. So when you take this test, it will basically ask you a series of questions and it will come out at the end with your love languages, which is what you want out of the relationship. But the thing is, is that everybody has different love languages. And it might be the case that your significant other has the same love, love languages as you do, but it's also very likely that they don't. And the reason why this is so important is because by understanding what it is that you want and understanding what it is that your partner wants, your relationship will be elevated because 
you will take the necessary steps to fulfill your partner's cups and your partner can take the necessary steps to fill your cups. Yeah. And like, for example, um, when you talk about the one love language, which is gift giving, sometimes one person in the relationship will really value getting flowers or chocolates or getting taken out to dinner or doing all these crazy things. But the other person may not value gifts at all. And they think that it's materialistic. They don't want them. So it's figuring out, you know, those things that they feel are important or not important. And does that match up with you or not? And if it doesn't, it's okay. Like Shelby said, like, you just have to figure out what what it is that they need and then respond to that. Yeah. And by doing this in your relationship, I think this taking this test is a huge, huge plus for your relationship because it will bring more awareness to both you and your partner. And it might shock you. You know, I remember when I took the test, um, my top two, and these they might have changed now because I took the test when I was 18 years old, five years ago. Um, my, my top two were quality time and words of affirmation. And my boyfriend has taken the test and his are the same, but instead of quality time being first, words of affirmation are first. So he values me, you know, lifting his spirits and telling him, you know, how proud I am of him and how great he is. And, you know, all of these things that while I like that too, it's not my number one. My number one is quality time. Um, but just knowing how to fill up your partner's love cup essentially is so important. Yeah, that's awesome. So definitely check out that test. Um, I've taken it myself. It was about a year ago at this point, so I do not remember what mine was, so I need to take it again for sure. Um, But yeah, check it out. Um, And if you don't have a date this Valentine's Day, don't let that get you down. Maybe take this opportunity to work on some of that self-love or look into the test, figure out what your love languages are. and Or you can have a Valentine's Day too. Bring your girlfriends together or guy friends together. That's a great idea. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like get your girlfriends together, go get some hibachi or that's what I would do. Um, but yeah, if you don't have a date this Valentine's day, go practice some self-love, get a massage, get a facial, do some retail therapy, read a book, meditate, go to yoga, work out. I mean, whatever you want to do, that's going to fill your love cup, go and do it. All right. So I think that wraps it up. And as always, you can find our contact information in our show notes below. So definitely check that out. If you want to get in touch with us, we have your email address and our Instagram handle there. You will catch us next week for our next edition of, wait, am I an adult now? Thought the awkward years were over? Think again. Have a great night, everybody. Bye.